You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. I did not want it to get out that I am full retirement age today. <laughs> but so, Allison, I hope you're satisfied. <laughs> You'll have to work well past full retirement age. <laughs> Well, it's great to be here today, and I'm just singing about this, this song, just thinking about this song we just sang, Let Us Be Known by Our Love. How many people do you know that you would say, this person is known by his love or her love? Not very many in our day. We know people by their quick response to offense, to injustice, against them, against others. But we're to be known by our love, and part of our love is to stand up against injustice. But that's what we're called to be. Well, it's going to be a great day today. We're going to think about the Lord on this Thanksgiving week, just the things that we're grateful for. We're going to have time of testimony at the end, but I want to acknowledge up front it's been a tough week for a lot of people in our body. Uh, Haley Shambly's dad died a little over a week ago, and uh, they had a, a gathering yesterday for her. Um, then also, oh, uh, Emily's sister, uh, Natalie, just tragically killed, funeral on Friday. Now, I've, I've thought a lot about just the in, the the... the the fact that death is an enemy for us. I thought about the Moody's a lot this week. Just thought about the pain that we endure when someone that we love deeply has been taken away. And so, believers, I say this a lot when someone has lost a loved one, that I know you are experience in that odd mixture of emotions that believers do. When someone they love goes to be with the Lord, it's, there's a, a, a joy for that, but then there is a pain of loss. So we are going to give our attention to praising God this morning, but I just wanted to say that. Be mindful of our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and be mindful and grateful for the gospel message. That gives us hope that we will live forever. That people who believe the gospel have been changed from a, a, a state of condemnation to a state of eternal blessing. That's all of us who know Jesus and believe in him. I do want to say for those of you who are here at the first time, uh, for the first time, that at the end of this service, we're going to take a benevolence offering. If I don't mention it again, that's what it will be. It's not that we have two offerings every Sunday, uh, but just on the last Sunday of the month, we take a special offering at the end of the service to help those who are in need, both inside our church and outside the church. So we will be doing that at the end of the service. I had planned to spend uh, time this Sunday and next Sunday in John 13 before taking a two-month break from the Gospel of John. 
Uh, the challenge I encountered, though, is that it is extremely difficult to separate John 13 from chapters 14 to 17. Now, if you jump around in Scripture and find a verse for this case that, and find another verse for this circumstance, then that's a blessing, surely. But you miss so much when you fail to just go through and see the context. It's going to make perfect sense why I just decided to wait on John 13 until we get to another um, time where we can go right into 14 to 17 afterwards. The disappointment, though, that I feel about not preaching from the text where Jesus washes his disciples' feet is that it's a perfect opportunity to talk about service opportunities within and for the body of Christ here at Grace Community Church. We have two ministries that need a lot of servers. One is the welcome team. You heard about that this morning. The other is children's ministry. We'll hear about that next week. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the welcome team this morning. Then I'll talk about children's ministry next Sunday. On any given Sunday, there may be several guests here. In fact, there are likely several guests here who are attending Grace Community Church for the first time. If some of you are here for the first time and you think, man, I'd like to get... I'd like to see a little bit more about that place. Maybe this is where the Lord would want me. I'd like to get to know the pastor. Steak dinner will do it. I've, it's, that's when I'll remember your name for sure. Uh, so, uh, Betty and Sue over here on the front row, I'm thinking, hoping that maybe I'll hop it soon. I mean, Bob and Stacy, that's it. So, The last Grace Connection class of this year is finishing up this morning. 17 participants. Did you know that we have 40 new families or singles moving in to a five-mile radius of our church every month? Every month, and the party's just getting started. Within the next two to three years, within two miles of our church, there are going to be over 1,000 homes built. Do you think one or two of them might visit Grace? At least on a Sunday when we're the only church open, everybody else is closed for snow. In addition to the local folks who visit, many of you have family that attend when they're out of town or when they're in town. David did a great job this morning just setting up what would it feel like if you brought someone you'd been sharing Christ with and no one talked with them. Once every two to three years, We'll get a, a note, we'll receive a note from someone who said no one spoke with them. And I'm sure it happens more than the times that we get. Uh, one time we received a note that said only five or six people spoke to them. It's a very unfriendly church, and I'm thinking, I'm not sure how to take that exactly. <laughs> but we typically hear two things from guests at our church. One, this is a very friendly church. Or two, this is a very friendly church but I felt a little lost the first time I came. I really didn't know where I was supposed to be, where everything was. And we're going to have some signage that's going up after the first of the year. But truly, we need people to shepherd. We're being very careful not to overwhelm people. Look, if I'm moving to a new area, we're going to a new church, I want to kind of check it out without being overwhelmed. I appreciate friendly people helping me along. So it's a, it's a challenge getting that. A lot of people have thought and prayed a lot of, 
uh, spent a lot of time praying about this ministry. Will, Jamie, and, uh, excuse me, Will and Jeff and Allison especially, the three of them have been meeting. But Will has put an enormous amount of time into this new team. And as David said, along these lines, we have a responsibility to all who visit. 1 Corinthians 14 indicates that even the preaching and the participation of the, of the people in worship needs to be with visitors or with guests in mind. Now, you might not have ever seen that there, but if you go back and read it, you'll see it is indeed. We are to give attention to those who are coming and visiting our church. And we want to do that not so that we can grow the church, but, but so that nothing will hinder what God is doing in this place. And we will follow his lead as he builds his church. You heard uh, this morning about the need for welcome team members. There are several positions. Not all of them involve just getting up close and personal with people. One or two do. Um, but this is a ministry that doesn't require midweek participation. You can serve on Sunday mornings. Just come and serve on Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to have testimonies a little later this morning, and I'm going to guess that someone, maybe several someones, will say, I'm thankful for my church family. Aren't you glad someone made you feel welcome? So next Sunday after church, we're going to have training session. And even if you're not able to participate on the welcome team right now, would you come to that and just see what positions are going to be available? We need people at the door, inside, inside here, in the sanctuary, in the lobby, in the sanctuary. And people will be having different responsibilities. So I, I think you'll be excited about what the Lord is doing. And the fact that I've taken this much time talking about this indicates how important I think it is. Uh, introverts, extroverts, we got something for everybody. Okay, more extroverts and introverts. But if you, this would be a good place for you to get out of your space. And in fact, that's a perfect segue. Didn't intend it. Uh, but it's a perfect segue into the message. If you were able to change one personality trait that either you possess or do not possess, what would it be? Would you like to be more assertive, to more readily stand up for yourself and for others? Or do you need more self-control so that you will not speak up every time or that you will not be so sensitive, maybe? Do you wish that you spoke more or do you wish that you said less? That you exhibited more humility or do you wish that you possessed more self-respect? Some of you like the personality that God gave you very much. But some of you wish passionately that you were different than you are. And even those of you who are comfortable with who the Lord has made you to be, perhaps, you're, you, you per, perhaps wish that your need to speak up did not get you into so much trouble. You know what it's like. You have to say something. Those of you who talk freely... Those of you who have something to say about everything, how many times have you gone, and I'm, I'm feeling your pain here, how many times have you gone somewhere and you said, I'm not going to say anything, and I'm telling you the first person to say something. You are the absolute first, middle, and last person 
to say something. Maybe you're a little bit sad that your shyness keeps you from experiencing a fuller life. The difficulty of such an exercise, of course, is always limiting the challenge or the changes to only one trait. There are some things that are not likely to change about us because God has made us as he has for his purposes. But there's at least one quality that we are all called to develop regardless of our personality, and it is eminently doable. We can all do this. Here's a hint. It may have something to do with a, with a holiday that's coming up this week. We could all work on a spirit of gratitude. So on this beautiful Sunday morning, let us set our hearts to come into the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving. The text is Psalm 95, so let's get to it. Please stand if you would. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Mirabah, or, or as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation. By the way, really not possibly the best translation. It's, it, it's disgusted, which is very similar, but it's just like, why are you doing this? God is saying, what is wrong with you? For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Let's pray. Father, we would have preferred the negative to be up front and the praise to be at the end, and yet we find ourselves confronted with the way that you have structured this psalm of thanksgiving with a warning at the end. So, Lord, we pray that our hearts would receive everything you want us to know this morning. And may our hearts sing with joy, even in the midst of our pain, as we do so only by faith sometimes. But by faith this day, we give thanks to you for all your goodness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. It is not surprising that the time of 
of singing here at Grace is a blessed time for those who attend. Uh, we happen to think that the singing here at Grace is exceptional. And one of the reasons I do try to say it, I, I, perhaps I don't say it enough, I want everyone who participates on this worship team to know how very grateful all of us are that you put in the work that you do to make our time of singing and worship to the Lord just as full and grateful, uh, gratitude-filled as it can possibly be. So we happen to think that the singing here at Grace is exceptional. But as David indicated this morning, uh, the singing at all gospel-believing churches is most often a beautiful expression of worship. And true worship is fueled by one's love for Jesus. Now, we worship by faith, whether we feel love or not. But when we, our hearts are filled with love, we can't help but worship the Lord with our whole hearts. Don't you feel deep love for the Lord when you're singing these songs on Sunday morning? Or when you're riding down the road singing a, a song of praise to the Lord? True love is not about feelings. Well, that, that, that's, that's true a little bit, but try telling that to your spouse the next time he or she is emotional when expressing love for you. God loves our heartfelt praise in singing. We come this morning singing our love to the Lord. He is our refuge and our rescuer. Sing heartily, whether you can carry a tune or not. Now, if you can't carry a tune, you want to be up here, be playing something, all right? You, if, that, we'll let the people who can sing well do the, do the singing, leading us in singing. But if you're out there and you can't carry a tune, sing with all your heart to the Lord. He loves your voice. He loves your heart even more. We are also to come to the Lord, uh, to come to the Lord with sincere words of thanksgiving. God delights in our grateful hearts. What a shame that we've lost the art, and I lost it a long time ago. My wife makes up for the two of us and three or four more of you in writing handwritten thank you notes. What a shame that we've lost that art. Do we do things so that people will thank us? No. But it's on us when we fail to give expressions of gratitude for, for things that people do for us. When we fail to intentionally express gratitude to the Lord for His goodness, it could be an indication that something, it, it is an indication that something is wrong. You remember the ten lepers that Jesus healed? How many turn back to give thanks? One, the unexpected, the least likely one to give thanks was one who turned back. And it moved Jesus. It moved him so much that he said, where do you think the other nine are? You don't suppose they're out there feeling general feelings of gratitude because you would feel gratitude if you were healed of leprosy. But they went to tell their friends rather than first saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you. How many times do we beg God to deliver us? And then when he does, the first thing we want to do is pick up the phone and tell somebody else. Rather than fall to our knees and say, thank you, Lord. 
thank you that you care about me at this level. God not only desires for us to have grateful hearts, he expects us to offer prayers of thanksgiving to him. And as always, when God is glorified, his people are blessed. If we had time, we could run down many of the places in Scripture that testify to the danger of ingratitude and the blessings of a thankful heart. So I'm just hoping it will be okay if I just list some places for you to explore on your own. You'll get these in home groups if you're meeting this week. Uh, and I'll post them on Faith Life. So if you don't have time to write them down, don't worry. But let's just think about some of these things. An ungrateful heart is often the beginning of a descent into idolatry and dark sins. That may sound a little bit dramatic, but read Romans 1. It starts off with they were ungrateful. They didn't give thanks to God. And then they fall off into this deep degradation. And you think, of, once we think about gratitude, we'll see how amazingly connected it is to everything else. An ungrateful heart grieves the heart of our Creator and Redeemer. But a grateful heart brings healing to a hurting soul. See, the other thing about those lepers that we read about in Luke 17 is that they were ostracized. They were outcast far more. There's no compassion. Today, we have compassion for people who um, are suffering. We do for a while anyway. And then our attention gets diverted somewhere else. But in that day, if you were a leper, ooh, stay away from me. Stay away. It's like middle school your whole life, you know? Uh, and Jesus said, you are healed, go your way. You're restored. Grateful hearts, even in trials, bring glory to God. 2 Corinthians 4.15. Really, you just ought to read the whole chapter. 2 Corinthians 4 is one of my favorite chapters in all Scripture. It is a beautiful chapter in the Bible. And Paul talks about the light afflictions, his light afflictions, being stoned, beaten, left for dead, shipwrecked, all kinds of things happened to Paul, but he said, it's okay. It, it, it works a far greater glory. God is glorified. I will be glorified. There's coming a day when everything not only makes sense, but is perfectly as it should be. And it always was. And then it's God's will that we give thanks in all circumstances. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, verse 18 in particular. In everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you. Not that, he's not saying right there, we know that God is sovereign, but he's not saying, oh, God's just one, is so delighted that these awful things are happening to you. But he's just saying it's his will for you to give thanks in all things. Because he is sovereign. Because he is working for your good. Even when it doesn't make sense. And when it doesn't feel like it. So that's the first four. Fifth. Significant spiritual growth ensues. When the community give thanks to God. In all things. Colossians 3. 12 to 17. Is one of those texts. That you're so tempted to look at. And just have your personal devotions. And, and let the word soak in your heart. And. And let the singing, your singing, private worship to the Lord. But it's about the community. 
And he says, in everything, give thanks. Everything, glorify God. Verse 6, isn't this a beautiful thought? Anxious moments are no match for God's peace. When prayers are offered with grateful hearts. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. People all the time emphasize the idea that we don't let our hearts be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God, but you forgot something. With prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. How does that change our heart? How does it change everything when we're grateful rather than complaining or easily offended or not have, jealous because we're not, we don't have what so-and-so has. And I'm far more worthy than so-and-so, but so-and-so's got it, and I don't. And what about the hard times? God, I don't know why this is happening to me. Give me peace. That's not what he's asking for. Lord, you're a good and gracious God. And I know you have your reasons. I don't understand them. Please help me to understand. But I give you thanks for all things in my life. And for what can we be thankful in a heartbreaking world? We've had so much pain this week. We have been adopted into an ever-changing kingdom. Now, wait a minute. That's not what it says. It's an unshakable kingdom through Jesus. Hebrews 12, 28 to 29. You know we could keep going. Over and over and over this theme comes up in Scripture. Verses 3 to 5 remind us that God created everything. And this verse is specific enough for us to understand both God's sovereignty over all things and also to remind us of his attention to and care for detail. There is no problem in your life too big or too small for him. He cares about every aspect your life. Verses 6 and 7 inform us that God is not only our creator, he's also our redeemer. He redeems those who believe Jesus Christ. Derek Kidner, who could say more in 10 words than most of us could say in 200, had this to say about these verses. Quote, this is the deep and basic note of worship without which the joyful noise of the opening, the first couple of verses, will be shrill and self-indulgent. And, and do you hear what he's saying here? That when we come together and worship, and we worship on Sunday morning, if we're not humble, we're self-indulgent. The worship is about us, not about him. Gratitude and humility are amazingly connected. Then he says this, each of the three main verbs in verse 5, look at them in just a moment. It's going to come back up. Involves getting low before God. Since the standard word for worship in Scripture means to prostrate oneself. 
Then Kittner points out that the idea of worship that we hear so much about is primarily an English sense, not Hebrew or Greek. It wasn't in the original scripture. There is some there. In fact, in Psalm 96, the very next psalm, there's a, a little bit of that idea. But the primary word for worship in scripture is connected with humility. So, we have recently learned in John 10 that the great shepherd Jesus knows us and calls us by name. That's enough to make one say, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Some of you have that Maranatha tune going in your head. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. And the sheep of his hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But take care that you're not infected with an ungrateful and untrusting heart. Lack of gratitude and lack of trust often go together. Do not be like the Israelites when they grumbled about their lack of water. Twice. I don't know, but I think I would be pretty concerned if there were no water. If the town said something's wrong with our water and you went to the, to the store and there's no water there because there's been a run on it and, and, and there's, there's no more gas and I don't know, I'd be a little concerned. But a grumbling spirit reveals a lack of trust, which was the ultimate issue for the Israelites, just as it is for those who refuse to find refuge and rest in Jesus. When hearts are hardened at this level, there is danger that eternal rest will never be realized. We know that since Jesus died on the cross, this was Old Testament, but now in New Testament, we know that since Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, we must trust him for salvation. That's where we find rest, in Jesus. And so today as we turn our attention to giving praise to the Lord. Let us say with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Jesus before the gospel. So, once or twice a year, both near the end of the year, we pause to give thanks to the Lord for everything that he has done for us. So I've got two guys that are going to help. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.